Welcome to the Trisco Podcast. We are three druids gathered in a virtual grove to share our thoughts and our path with you. Hi, welcome to episode 15 of the Trisco Podcast. If you are a new listener or viewer, welcome. And if you are returning, welcome back. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about what it's like being solitary and how you find connection while actually practicing on your own. But first, let's do introductions. My name is Victoria. My pronouns are she and her. Hi, I'm Drum, and my pronouns are he and him. I'm Amber, and my pronouns are she and her. And as I said today, we're gonna talk a little bit about what it's like to be solitary and how you find that connection. All three of us are primarily solitary practitioners, so we're not gonna dig into the specific mechanics of practicing as a solitary, because we're sure you've heard a lot about that if you've listened to our previous podcasts. Um, But in the meantime, we're still part of something bigger than ourselves. We, We aren't pagans because we don't want to deal with anybody else and we want to be hermits in the woods and just be do our own thing. There are people who are like that, that's not us. So how do we find that connection, whether it's to our gods, to our faith, to the group of people who practice like us in our traditions or the greater pagan community as a whole? I guess for myself, uh, electronic media is really the way I do that, Um, especially today. I mean, in the past, it's been more Uh, going to events like festivals or going to rituals, for example, that would get me into a community. But it uh, it really is the electronic community that's made it easy over the many years, just because there's like-minded people that we could meet on, let me age myself or date myself, bulletin boards or chat rooms or, you know, eventually email and Facebook. So it's it's the electronic community uh, where I find my connection most readily and easily these days. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the advent of the internet has, has I think, made it a lot easier to be a solitary pagan and to not feel quite so alone. You know, growing up, there weren't pagan books available in the town that I grew up in or anything like that. So having, you know, Yahoo groups or um, chat rooms and stuff where I started allowed me to meet people initially Um to know that I wasn't alone and, and just, you know, crazy. Um, but even now, like we, um, one of the things that I actually do is I, I work with individual, most of the time other solitary members, and we each take parts of, of a ritual and I piece them all together and I post them to share with other people. And so even though we're all solitary and in our own spaces, we're all doing a ritual together in our own time and in our own place. And so, you know, doing those sort of collaborative activities for me has become really meaningful and really, really important. Yeah, I've been a part of some of those videos and it is really kind of cool to see how it all comes together. I and mean, we're all working within the same tradition. And so we have very similar ritual structures, but each of us still have our, our own twists on it. Uh, And yet it still works together as a good ritual, which is really kind of cool. I know for myself, the first real group, I want to say that I was part of um, was in college. Uh, I somehow randomly lucked out in getting pagan roommates. Not quite sure how I pulled that off, but it worked out really well. And, um, 
had pagan roommates and I had Jewish roommates. And we all were just like, we're just gonna get along. And we made it all work and it was very, very cool. But then when I was out of college, uh, I ended up with an online uh, community, which is actually still active today called Sacred Mists. And they're a Wiccan group. Uh, and they, uh, they weren't Sacred Mists at the time. There was something else and they got bought out by the woman who's currently running it. But it was kind of nice to have this online community where you were learning the same traditions, you were learning the same stuff, and you got to talk to each other. Admittedly, it was all very asynchronous. I remember the first online rituals I ever attended were 100% text. And it was a very, very different experience from the rituals that I attended just last week online. And so it's, it's really interesting, I find, how my connection has sort of evolved as the technology has evolved and that it's, it's easier to find that connection. I mean, we had to have technology evolve quite a bit in order to even film this podcast and not have it sound really weird and have Amber having to edit three separate audio files together and try not to go completely crazy. Um, and instead we just all, we all get on the app that we all use for work and hit record and go for it. Uh, just I'm just trying to think of like telephone line recording, like it would be so bad. Yeah. Yeah. No, I try not, wouldn't even want to think about it. Wouldn't even try. That would be insane. No. Yeah. My first forays in a community really were um, print based. You know, they were in the early days. Um, it was magazines or periodicals that, uh, or mailings that really fueled my paganism. Um, much of that with ADF and Circle Sanctuary. Uh, they were two groups that um, I, I joined and got their publications and uh, was able to reach out kind of indirectly through that way. It was through the post. Um, so um, it come a long way. And then um, I did it in the 90s. I did uh, some rituals that were chat, you know, text-based, but were international people from Canada, people from Dubai, all together in the in the ritual, and it was actually pretty cool. And then, um, you know, and the ability to actually talk to people, and, and now especially to see people at the same time, it was really a bonus. Um, it's a wonderful boon. It just it, it enhances the experience so much, you know, so much greater. Uh, instead of the community of the mind, it's community of the of the of the eyes and sight. You can see it as well as, uh, you know, it's television as opposed to radio or text. <laughs> well, one Which thing I think I is really powerful because there's so much that's easily misconstrued in text. You can't really yes. read tone. Um, and as someone like me who really, really loves sarcasm, it's really painful to try to get across in, in any sort of text communication. So... I am so grateful for like actual voice of communication and, and video communication at this point. I find it interesting. Uh, one of the things, especially as we've, you know, been through the last year together and folks are moving more and more online with their rituals, there's been a really great, I think, acceptance of the value of online rituals and the fact that you can have good experiences, spiritual connected experiences online and you don't have to have them in person. They're not the same as in person and they certainly take different techniques to get there. But I've had some amazing experiences with online rituals. 
Yeah, well, and I think, I mean, at least as far as ADF rituals go, so part of what we do is we recreate the sacred center. Um, and, and part of what that means is that we're in the same, even though we may not physically be in the same place at the same time, in those rituals, we're creating a space where we're all in the same place at the same time. So even though we're not physically in a room sharing that energy in that form, we are, there is at least a portion of the ritual that is specifically intended to aid in that process. So I find that helpful to consider. Yeah, and then a lot of Wiccan circles, um, I know that in the Wiccan traditions that I was trained in, it one of the things that we would say as we formed at the circle is that we are in a time that is not a time in a place that is not a place. And it's very much the same sort of concept is we're in this nebulous location that is connected to everything and all centers, to put it in ADF terms, all centers are connected, right? All the circles are connected. And so you have that ability to, to work where your, your energies are connected in a way that your bodies may not be able to be. Right. I think the thing I like about the sacred center is that it's um, the idea is more ubiquitous than it is, you know, separate, separated, you know, we're everywhere kind of at the same time or we're at the same place. Uh, and I really like that notion of, uh, of that interconnectedness, even if you're not in the same place. Uh, it's a powerful concept and shared in other traditions, as you say, right. it's kind of cool. I mean, and if you want to go a little bit, you know, scientific slash pagan crazy, uh, the internet is run by electrons and it's a bunch of electricity pushing stuff around and in our bodies are pretty much run by a bunch of electricity pushing stuff around. So it's not that much difference. It is. It's, it's, it's science and uh, science and practice all mixed together. Uh, and please don't send us hate mail. Yes, I understand organic versus inorganic and the whole thing. I have a life sciences degree. <laughs> Get it. I'm highly simplifying. <laughs> yeah, the first hate mail we get is because Victoria said that we're like computers. <laughs> Biology professors will yell at me. I did get an A in biochemistry. Uh, yes. But, um, but I do find it really interesting how uh, this we can still find that connection over, over the internet. And we don't, or, or over written text. Uh, I'm actually in, of, I find this, the meta-ness of this is hilarious. I, I am in a Facebook group that is run by members of a worldwide online organization to write pen and paper letters to each other. Love it. That's so cool. I think it's kind of fun. Um, because letter write, there, there's a there's a different kind of energy in writing letters to each other. There's a different kind of energy in writing a prayer for someone, in in doing the online rituals, in doing doing rituals all at the same time. So for example, in ADF, we have a full moon coming up, and a drum actually started this, and I'm sort of keeping it going at the moment is we do, I think it's important. It is. We do healing rituals at the full moon. And there's a little prayer you say, and you can riff on it if you want, but it's the full moon, wherever you are, 
whenever it makes sense for you, you do it. And so there is this sort of 24 hour ish period where people all around the world are doing healing prayers. And we're not the only ones that do something on the full moon. There's a lot of other groups that will do that kind of work. So here you have people from all of these traditions all around the world, all doing work for healing and peace and restoration all around the full moon. And you've got, it just gives me chills just thinking about all of it, but like, and you get all of the energy. There's something, I don't know, synergistic about it. That it's not just one person doing it because we're all doing it together. There's that added layer of knowing that more people are doing this. And so there's more to it than just what you're putting out in the world. I, I think that's beautiful because it expands the whole notion of, you know, this, this online presence that's bigger than ourselves and that we can participate in. It's, it's, it's really fabulous. I love that. I love that ritual style actually. Um, and it's something we can experiment with and, and refine. And mm-hmm. um, so I'm glad we have that ability. Yes, experimenting with ritual tech. It's fun. Yeah, that's cool. It's it's a sandbox, the ritual, the virtual ritual sandbox. I keep threatening to throw up a green screen and try crazy things the next time I'm running, leading one of those online rituals. I think that'd be awesome. I'd look forward to it. I tried doing that for the in-bulk ritual that Amber's putting together, but there was too much green in my shirt, and so my shirt started to vanish. It just didn't work out. You're just a floating head. It's great. Yeah, you know, maybe I'll do that next time. Um, I do want to, well, actually, before I shift topics slightly, Amber, did you have anything you wanted to add to this since you've been a little quiet for the last little bit? Not really. I mean, I... I think that I have the advantage not to harp on it too much that, you know, I am, I am a bit younger than both of you. And so I grew up with the internet, you know, I, I had, I was 18 when I joined my first online pegging group because they were available. And so for me, it's been a lot more about finding resources than it has been finding people. Um, Cause like I said, I grew up in a tiny town, so there wasn't, massive libraries and interlibrary loan wasn't really quite a thing and even if it was in a town of 300 people you don't go to the library and be like hey lady I know I'm a weirdo can I have some books that prove that I'm a weirdo you know (laughs) so the internet made it so that I could look up things that I couldn't really talk to anybody else about and that for me was so important and it's still so important you know every time I'm looking for some information for a study program or just because I'm a nerd and want to learn something new, the internet is my friend. Now, interlibrary loan and all of those are wonderful tools. Not saying don't use them. <laughs> Libraries are still amazing. And there's a lot of stuff you can use. Pagan, not pagan, just tons of stuff you can use from a library um, when you can get to them. Ours are currently not allowed but um, so you talked about getting resources on the internet and I, I realize you're younger than us. However, you're still not that young. And so when you got started, the internet was a very different thing from what it, when it is now. Oh yeah. GeoCities pages popping up all over. Oh, I see. Right. oh the MySpace pages, the psychedelic MySpace pages. Oh. Hey, I spent a lot of time working on my MySpace page. Okay. That's where I learned HTML. 
I don't know why all the pagan pages seem to have to be something it was it was hurtful. Oh, but anyway, <laughs> nowadays, um, nowadays there's anybody can create a podcast uh, or host a video or uh, write a paper and share it online. And where you get it isn't always easy to differentiate between the who the heck are you and why are you saying that? You don't make any sense. And the people that actually are worth listening to for you. Um, different people have different people that are worth listening to depending on who you are, what you're looking for and where you're coming from. So how do you figure out what the right sources for you are? So I have the advantage that I, I, re I graduated from college in 2015 again. Um, so I had to learn how to do that from a, from a scholarly standpoint. And so some of that is as simple as instead of just using Google, use Google Scholar to do your searching and that sort of stuff to find that more academic uh, bend to things. But sometimes it is, again, it, it, it's sort of like what we talked about um, when we talked about continuing education. You know, how do you determine whether an author is, is uh, worth teaching you things and or not you know seeing what their background is learning who they are you know if it's someone who has a good background even if it's not necessarily a scholar background you know do, sometimes it takes a little bit of research into where the source is coming from I do find it really interesting though listening to people's sort of personal opinion and I, there's a lot of discords uh I like Discord. And so I'm on a lot of Discord servers, most of which are pagan oriented or knitting, but, and most of them have sections where you can talk about, this is my thoughts, this is my experiences, this is my opinions, uh, UPG if you would like, but I hate that term because it makes it sound like you made it up as opposed to expressing an experience you had. I'm also gonna point out that was our first swear and it wasn't me. And I'm so happy right now. It's not even funny. <laughs> oh, I've had a very challenging day. <laughs> um, I think it's also really valuable that we pay attention to people's experiences, whether or not they're actually validated in the lore or they're verified by other folks. Because someone's experiences are, well, A, your experience is valid because it's your experience. Um, your interpretation, we can negotiate about interpretation, but the experience is still your experience and there's no one can tell you otherwise. But understanding that interpretation and actually having the conversations with folks can help really bring something out about how you view things and it can help them understand how they're viewing things. And it also adds that layer of connection. So we had one Discord channel that I'm currently on. We were chatting about Kira Nunos and different people's opinions of him. And I found out there's somebody else who also works with Karen and Karen Nunos. And I'm like, this is cool because I didn't know anybody else who did that. Now I have a connection to somebody. And I also have a connection to other people who view Karen Nunos in the way that I do, which is not the Wiccan fraternity God. And so, now there's more people that I now feel this connection to because we have something in common. And we would have never known that if we weren't discussing our experiences and, 
and our interpretations in a way that allows for people to actually have conversations about them. And that, that kind of connection is still, is also really valuable, I find. I think it, I, I agree. I think it's, a, it's good to learn about um, as long as it's clearly presented that this is my opinion, this is my experience and not that this is, this is what it is or this is based on ancient practice or whatever, you know, whatever false information might be tied to those sometimes because that happens, you know, I've read more than one book where someone is clearly stating their personal experiences and tried to present them as based from historic context that just doesn't exist. And that that's where I have a problem with it most of the time. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I mean, I don't, um, you know, I'm a neo-pagan. Um, I, you know, I do consult the lore uh, to see what people may have done. But what I do today, you know, is really a result of where I am and, and today and, the, and somewhat those ancient practices. So I know that the practices that I've kind of developed organically, um, I'm going to continue to do because they work for me. But it does help me if I'm talking to someone else and they say, you know what, I've experienced this. I mean, I'm, I, you know, just to there's been discussions I've had with Amber about the Hittites where Amber will say something and I'll be like, yeah, you know, that's, that's my experience as well. And it's, um, it enriches my experience because I feel that someone else has, has also experienced that. And it's kind of, um, it, it's kind of a buttress in a way for my practice because it's like, wow, it's not just me. It's not just me here as the solitary on an Island alone in space, but I'm doing something that someone else sees as well. Well, and I think as a solitary, that's a really important part of that connection for me, because sometimes when you're in, you know, your bedroom or your office or wherever you're doing ritual and you're by yourself and you're not communicating with other people, suddenly you really start to question, what am I doing? You know, am I losing my mind? What is this? And so sometimes getting that outside person to say, no, no, I'm there too. We're good. You know, I, and not everyone needs that. I know. I need that. I need to occasionally hear someone say, oh, you're not. No, I, I've experienced that too, or I've seen that, or I've had that connection or whatever. For me, that's really validating um, for my practice. Yeah, it's really nice to know that other people are also experiencing this. Uh, when, when you talk about like how you have a relationship with the gods and you feel their, their response, uh, not always in words, it's often just like a intuition feeling, at least it is for me. You're like, is that real? Did, did, you know, am I just crazy? Is that just because? And then you talk to somebody else and they, they have a similar experience, grounded in law or not. Um, but as, as Drum said, we are, in, we are pagans in today's world practicing as it makes sense for us. And being able to say, well, look, we, somebody else did the same thing and got a similar kind of result. Okay, maybe I'm not crazy. This is cool. All right, great. Let's talk about our experiences and see how we can inform each other and deepen them. And, and both of us end up coming away, or more of us, depending on how many people are in the conversation, with a new appreciation, a new flavor, a new depth in that connection, both in the practice or with the practice as well as with each other. It's just, and, and knowing that we're not alone. 
I've actually had that same type of experience with lore. Um, so there's been, uh, I work a lot with Demeter and the Eleusian Mysteries and, and that whole cycle of the year and stuff. Um, and as some of my work there, I found this uh, in, in my brain, in my work, I found this weird connection between Demeter and a labyrinth. And, you know, I, for me, that was very much a, a UPG thing, a thing that was just in my brain. Uh, I, you know, part of my personal work. Um, but as I, I started to look into it a little bit, I found that that's not necessarily the case. Um, there's actually coins from Greece that have Demeter on one side and then have uh, the labyrinth on the other. So there's direct connection to those deities that I wasn't aware of before I had the experience and started looking into where it might come from. So, I mean, I've, I've had that connection with lore as well as with other people, which I always find fascinating. Yeah, one of the experiences I had, uh, speaking of the Eleusinian Mysteries, was when I was studying it, and I was very fortunate to have Amber uh, kind of as a mentor for me, I would tell her about experiences, and she's, she would say to me, I don't want to talk about that right now. And basically, it was because it was an anticipation of what I was going to find. And um, as, as the mysteries unfolded, I found that my experiences really did fit into this kind of chronicle of things that were happening. And it was at the end of the road, I was able to look back at the beginning of the road and say, oh my goodness, this made sense. And uh, so it was nice to have that kind of, that kind of connection. Plus, I think, I think there are like three kinds of experiences. There are experiences that we have that are so, um, so real that they're, they're real to us. And there's no question in our minds that these experiences have, you know, absolute solidity in our in our experience you know maybe not re recreatable but they're they're solid and then we have other experiences that are fleeting and we're like wow what really was that but there's those in-between experiences that are kind of a little bit of both and then when we talk to somebody else and they have those same experiences or they can they can say that there's validity to that that those things you know take on a new life of their own and that's so huge especially in in you know, individual work. I think it, it makes individual work, uh, it broadens it into work with mm -hmm. others. Well, and admittedly, like, so me not sharing my experiences early on as you were working through that was sort of twofold. One, I didn't want to um, <laughs> use the word taint. I didn't want to like change your experience because I told you what I saw you know, I, I didn't want to influence it. I, I wanted it to be your experience. But part of that was also purely selfish because I wanted to see if they did the same thing, even if I didn't say anything, you know, right. part of it was me validating what my brain said, you know? So for me, that was kind of a twofold thing and it, it worked out really cool. So it did. thank you. Thank you, Amber. It's nice to be able to talk to people about it and to be able to have conversations about these different beings that, you know, maybe we don't actually have a whole lot of lore about. Or maybe what lore we have is confusing. You know, we'll take a goddess and turn it into a sex object, and then somehow all of the boy gods do whatever she says, Freya. Um, so, you know, <laughs> like there's all these weird, sometimes the myths don't make sense, and so you're, you're trying to puzzle through it and figure out what it actually means. And having people who have had similar, or who 
are willing to share their experiences and you discover that you have similar experiences or you discover you have different experiences. And then you dig into that and think, okay, why did you have a different experience than me? Was it just a different angle, a different aspect? Sometimes it's just a different interpretation of an ex a very similar experience. All that gets really, I, I'm fascinated by all of that. I should have gotten a psych degree instead of a zoology degree, but you know. No, I think it's interesting that the shared practice component, you know, that we find, um, and you're, I think you're really right about the idea of some of the more, uh, the, the deities that don't have a lot of details. I mean, with the, um, you know, some of the lore is really fractional and it's, it's really hard to approximate some of the things that you can find, but I know that some of the deities I work with, I don't find really find a lot of other people that work with them, if any, but it's, it's nice to find someone else that you can bounce the ideas off of. Um, so it's uh, that shared, that shared value, shared practice is huge. And I think that's the part that gets missed a lot is the solitary, you know, especially if you're someone who's just getting out there um, and just trying to learn. Um, I know for me, it was really hard to share my experiences because I, I worried about judgment. I worried about people thinking that I wasn't a legitimate pr practitioner or that my experiences were made up or, you know, any, any sort of insecurity. I mean, for me, that was, that was a big hurdle to try to overcome um, even, and, and that's, it's not as anonymous now, but that was part of the value of, of the internet at the time for me is that I could be who I wanted to be. You know, nobody needed to know that I was an 18 year old kid who didn't know anybody else that was pagan. You know, I could share my experiences behind a, 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 a I mean, a pagan name at the time that I will not ever share. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and and share those a little bit anonymously and i think that certain things like discord um still provide some of that ability you know you can share your experiences and not necessarily have to out who you are right away so if you're concerned about that there's options that's a really good point because i know that early on nothing not, i found nothing more damaging to me than someone to say no you're wrong especially when it was about something that I believed, you know, and it's like, and so a lot of times that would put me off or would drive me away from a group. It was really the reason I became the list master in ADF was because, you know, I was tired of people saying, no, you're wrong to other people and then <laughs> leaving. Because when you say, tell someone that they're wrong, there's the element of despair, you know, all of a sudden you've kind of deflated their balloon and you know, that sometimes people go away because of that. So I think- Especially if that ends up being someone that you think of as an authority or someone who is, you know, an, an elder um, or, you know, someone, I don't want to use above, but someone more experienced than right. you are. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think saying I've never thought of it that way is a lot nicer than no, that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of ways to say that you disagree with someone without saying no, that you're wrong. Right. Right. That's a sharp sword. The one I like is interesting. Can you help me understand where you're coming from? <laughs> That's actually good because it gives you the opportunity to hear what people are saying. That's exactly. a great one. That's beautiful. Well, and honestly, if somebody's wrong, getting them to unpack it usually helps them figure out where they're wrong on their own without me having to say anything. Right. No, oh, brilliant. Uh, and then they feel smart because they figured it out. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't need to go tell people they're wrong. It's a not my place. B. I don't actually know what their experiences are, so I don't actually know. And I sure as heck can't tell anybody that they didn't have an experience that they said they had because I have no clue. I know one of the things that's helped me as a, as a solitary practitioner, not only the uh, the benefits of community from others, is um, online libraries and online resources. Um, you know, I think just because I follow Celtic Path, um, you know, just to name drop, maryjones.us has this extensive, you know, sources of information uh, from Celtica. And it's, it's, a, it's a great resource. And even Wikipedia, I mean, it follow the sources at the bottom. And it's, uh, you know, you, uh, I used to go to the library when I was a kid. I don't have to do that anymore because it's available to me online. And as a solitary practitioner, it's a huge help. So I think that's probably going to bring us to the end of our conversation here. Uh, as a quick reminder to folks, personal practice is a really big part of being a solitary practitioner. And we have a video on that some, somewhere. Well, it will be linked probably down in the, in the down below in the towel section. And uh, always feel, feel like you can reach out. Pagan groups pub advertise publicly because they're looking for additional people. So whether they're online, local, not local, it, especially lately, it really doesn't matter. If it's on Zoom, it can be anywhere in the world. Uh, feel free, check out places. If you're using Zoom, you can always change your name. They don't have to know who you are. If you're on Discord, again, change your name uh, if you're not comfortable being out in public. But I do encourage you to try to reach out to other pagans, other people in your tradition, or people who practice similarly to you to talk to them about your experiences and just see what you have in common and get a little bit of connection and community that way. And so for this week, uh, we will, as usual, now do a divination to give you some tips and suggestions and guidance for the next few weeks. And Drum's going to pull Oum. It's going to be Oum. Surprise, surprise. Hey, occasionally you surprise us. Yeah. Well, maybe next time I'll do something different. Maybe. All right. Let me draw my Oum. Ah, <clears throat> well, I have three ohm, and uh, this will be our, our, our wisdom for the, uh, the, the the week or so ahead, the few weeks ahead. Uh, the first one that I have is called Wilan, and uh, for me, uh, Wilan is about um, it's about coming to understand something. It's about hidden wisdom that will come, uh, that we kind of move through. It's not like a singular event, but it's, it's a process that we go through where we discover something that we previously hadn't known. And I think that as we move through these next few weeks, I think that something will, uh, will be revealed to us, something revelational that will um, make a difference in our lives. The second OM is coal. Uh, and coal is, uh, for me, is the hazel tree. And it's the, um, it's the tree of nurturing and wisdom. Uh, as the, as the um, 
as the hazelnuts fell into the, the pool uh, where the salmon of wisdom were lying, uh, those, those nuggets uh, or those nuts of wisdom uh, were consumed and uh, brought wisdom forth. And I think it's also, uh, I see the, that pool, uh, that, that pool of water as something very nurturing. Um, so I think that um, going along with that first OM, I think that you know, wisdom is coming our way knowledge and wisdom. And finally, uh, the last OM is, uh, is moon, uh, the vine. And this talks about prophecy and reaching out. So um, I think that there's wisdom to be found from the universe. I think there's wisdom to be found from those things that fall into our laps. And I think that there's wisdom to be found for reaching out and, and using divination as a tool for, for understanding. So wisdom is coming your way. That's what I see. Thank you all for listening to us today. And we look forward to chatting with you again in a couple of weeks. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for joining us for today's video. If you like this episode, be sure to like and subscribe. You can also find more episodes on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and all of your favorite podcast providers. You can find us on social media, on Facebook and Twitter, or for more information, visit our website, triscolpodcast.weebly.com.